We're going to do a little bit of a different setup than we usually do. We're going to do the open up before the third on the It's like radical. Is that radical? Radical. Radical. On page, we're, right now we're on page 146. What we're going to do is a short kavanah on page 146 for the first aliyah. We turn to... Um, okay, I just thought, I just... This uh, aliyah, can someone just read the incredible pasuk, the verse, that Rabbi Dan Kohler Esses um, drashed for, for us last night? Um... It's uh, verse number 21. In fact, just read from 19 to 21, through 21. This is the story of Isaac, son of Abraham. Abraham. This is the story of Isaac, son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took to wife Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Armean of Padan Aram, sister of Laban the Armean, Aramean. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren, and the Lord responded to his plea, and his wife Rebekah conceived. But the children struggled in her womb, and she said, If so, why do I exist? She went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord answered her, Two nations are in your womb. Two separate peoples shall issue from your body. One people shall be mightier than the other, and the other shall serve the younger. When her time to give birth was at hand. Okay, okay. That's good. That's perfect. That's our first aliyah. Perfect. You actually you framed the entire aliyah, which is perfect. So the um, Rabbi Dian Kolar says gave a beautiful drash last night about the, 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 the verse, Vayetar Yitzchak Ladonai, the Nochach Ishto Ki Akarahi. And Yitzhak entreated to God on behalf, Lenochach Ishto, but in, in, in the presence, Lenochach is in the presence with um, his wife Rivka, Ki Akarahi, because she was barren, Vayatarlo, and the same word Vayatar is used to respond, that God responds, is, is entreated, or responds, the Tahar Rivka Ishto, and she gets pregnant. And she also said something really beautiful. She, she quoted Einstein. Yeah. Last night, she said that the same consciousness that creates the problem is not the same consciousness that that you can create the solution for. Some kind of something like rounded, right? Good enough. <laughs> Good enough. Good enough. So, so this morning, Diane and I had a chance to converse about this because I said I had some response to this. I said it's interesting. It's true. The consciousness itself of the problem is not the consciousness of the solution. However, however, the same word is used by Yatar. So there must be something in the malady that is also in the medicine. That, that particular, what? More than good enough. More than good enough. Is that there's something? So, so I just wanted to bring to our attention today, this morning, as we read the first Aliyah, if there's something that's a real, think of like the core problem in our lives. What's our core problem? Could you distill, your, just sit into the core problem of your life. We all got one. You all have many. But, 
What's the what's something that you feel like? Oh, this is <laughs> and there's a two-part solution. One is that there's something in this core problem itself that contains the medicine, the distillment of this problem. Something distilled from this problem will create the solution. That's the one. And the other one, I think the other response that I think I have on this one is that, and then, okay, so she gets pregnant. There's these, 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 these children inside of her, they're rotsutsuing each other, they're fighting each other, they're like, inside. Could you imagine these little two, like, these little two embryos, like, you just go, <laughs> it's just a great picture. I just really love the picture. I don't know if we ever spent some time during the Torah, like to really picture these little these, these guys doing their thing there. And then she asks another question. She has another crisis, and this crisis she has is Lama Zanohi. Why do I exist? This is like the one of the very first existential questions of the Torah. Lama Zanohi. Why am I me? What is this like? If I have so much pain, why do I need to exist? Why should I be? If this being that I am exists with this much pain and this much suffering, how could they go together? How could this happen together? And she does something, this time not on behalf of her. Her husband doesn't pray on behalf of her with her. This time, by herself, she goes to Adonai and she drove. She asks the question. So I think in this, this last verse of our first Aliyah, we have another, another way to find solutions. She doesn't just ask. The root of Tidrosh is drash, right? She asks, but she asks in a kind of way that acknowledges that you can't just ask a question of your problem. You need to drash out your problem. This is really a good one for, 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 for the, for, I shouldn't, I shouldn't gender it, but I know a lot of women that like have a lot of conversations about their problems, and that's what we should do. That's basically what it's saying. It's like, basically, drosh out your problems. And men, too. Everybody and everybody. So everybody, just time to drosh out your problems. It's, it's, it's a way to unpack, to find meaning, to also do some kind of drashing. Not just, don't just, just like say what, you know, like go into the problem and make it like commentary. How do you make your problems commentary? So those are the two ways in which um, uh, I feel like there's the medicine and the malady, and that there's a way to ask, to go through your problems as if they are commentary. Find the drush, find, the, find that kind of meaning. Um, so I invite you up here. If like, you have a core problem that you feel like you could actually go and, and apply some of these methods. To, to the madness that is
one of the reasons I love Torah study so much. I love Torah study because it often gives me unexpected answers or unexpected insights. So what I want us to do today is really pay close attention to the text because we have so much wisdom about the question I want to look at, which is addiction. There's so much wisdom out there in our time, and I want to see if there's something new that we can kind of glean from the text. So what I want to invite you to do is pay close attention to the text again, and base your remarks on what, on what we're reading together. Okay, so I want us to read it together and open up that question with, with each other. And I want to sort of put myself out there a little bit on this question of addiction and say that I know that these are not the um, most toxic addictions, but I really struggle with my phone, with email, and it's really, really difficult for me to focus because I always want to look at my email. And it's really, and it feels like an addiction. I think those, um, what is it, the little dopamines going off every time I look at an email, I forget what, yep, that's what, it. what you know, sort of modern science says about that. Um, and, you know, we all have various addictions. I'm also addicted to coffee, but I sort of gave up on that because every time I read something about it, it says that it's healthier and healthier, so. <laughs> but I do know, I do know that my addiction to email, or whatever it is, um, has long-term consequences. It means that I'm not focusing on what I'm doing every day and sort of developing things more deeply. And that concerns me, right? In the moment, it's like, oh, big deal, so I'm going from this to that. But really, it, it adds up. So that's so that's the frame I want to put around this, and now we're going to dive deep. Someone tell me what page we were? 147. So let's read this together. Um, <clears throat> So we're starting, I believe, on in verse 27. Is that correct? That we left Aliyah left us. Yes? yes. Yes. Excellent. Can I have a really loud reader in the English, and I will supplement in the Hebrew as well. We are we're on 147 in verse 27. It's uh, Genesis chapter 25. <clears throat> Rena? Great. <laughs> Do you mind standing up, Rena? Not at all. Thank you. 27, uh, close to the bottom of the, the biblical column up. on page 147. When the boys grew up? Yep. Huh? When the boys grew up, the description of Esau as a hunter, can you all hear me? Yes. Okay. The description of Esau okay, as a hunter. Wait, where were you When the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. The text on the top. Text on the top. Oh, oops. When the boys grew up, I'm here now. Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the outdoors, but Jacob was a mild man who stayed in camp. Okay, so stop there for a second. So the word for mild is tam, which can mean innocent, it can mean pure. Right, any other meanings? Should we add to this? Simple. 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 It's like the Tom is one of the four children at our Passover Seder. Right? Simple, innocent, pure. Naive. Naive. Nice. Okay, good. Go on. Isaac favored Esau because he had a taste for game. 
but Rebecca favored Jacob. So why did, why did, what's, what's Isaac's preference for Esau about? Food. Food, right? Mm -hmm. that, that, that meat, that craving for meat that Esau was able to supply for him. Right? So it's really um, this deep craving that he was able to gratify. Jill, Rabbi Jill. But it might even go deeper than that. Yeah. Because you took us out an experience of being helpless while someone was violent him. And Aesop is strong, right, and a hunter. So uh, there, there may be also another reason why he's Ah, interesting. So perhaps, perhaps Isaac feels safe with his son Aesop. That kind of protection and providing when he's understandably um, permanently insecure permanently afraid. Who can take care of him? It's not the mild man sitting in the tent. It's interesting that we don't know why Rebecca favored Jacob. Yeah, interesting. So what does it say about... Okay, but can I add something? Yeah. Is, there's definitely a masculine and feminine um, stereotype there. Of Esau being the more masculine, you know, the physical, and yes. the protector, and Jacob yeah. being the... Um, what is stereotypically feminine, introspective, peaceful, or even naive. Or so the, or so the text says. Right. right, so the text says. So yeah, there's some kind of bifurcation and polarity, but what's interesting about Rebecca's love is there's no reason for that. And I think it's in um, uh, Perkea vote in uh, a section of the Mishnah, sort of a selection, um, string of, of wisdom statements, which says that, Love that that doesn't depend on a thing is a much higher kind of love, right? Do I love you for your wealth? Do I love you even for your sense of humor? Or do, do I just love you? Mm -hmm. right, two different kinds of love. Okay, so um, three more comments, Lauren, and I, I let's go. Let's be brief so we can go forward. Okay, and then we're gonna well, go. We have been told that the older shall serve the younger. So Rebecca puts on that. Maybe, who knows how she's interpreted that, but mm -hmm. she has gotten rid of that. And also, look, I mean, he's a mama's boy. He's been camp with her. She, he, she, he has provided. Jacob has provided companionship for his mom. <laughs> Great. Okay, so he's kind of identified with her, and she's identified with him. Go ahead, Jacob. Also, uh, the wow, Jacob, wow. Between Jacob, Yaakov as a domestic, as the wild, and yeah. how it's in that exchange where the wild has come back with domestic for sustenance. But say it again, the wild what? Has to come back home to the domestic, uh -huh. pays for sustenance, and that's when Jacob realizes he has the upper hand. Because okay, but we're not there yet, so hold on. You're commenting on the next piece of the story. Mm -hmm. Okay, Nehemiah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. That she has from God, the rabbi about Sayyid, the other women. So she, from a connection with spirit, when the children are in her womb, when she is so much connected to them and to God, she already knows that the younger one is we'll the one who is supposed the to be, and she also feels when she has the children that this is a child that is close to God. Since she loves God more, of course she loves the one who is close to God. Okay, good. Okay, so I, I want to go on. I said three comments, so I'm going to just pull this together with a literary concept of the raw and the cooked. So um, Aesop is kind of the raw man of the fields, and Jacob is the more sophisticated, potentially cooked person, right? Not, not, as, not as identified with the id, 
Okay, let's go on. Who was reading? Uh, okay. Rina. Um, once, when Jacob cook, was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the open, famished. And Esau said to Jacob, give me some of that red stuff to gulp down, for I am famished. Which is why he was named Edom. Ah, wait a second. There's an interesting translation here. So in verse 29, it says that he's tired. Not that he's famished. So the word in Hebrew is ayef. So for some reason, the translator is making things more intense there. Right? Maybe to help us understand or have more sympathy for Esau. I don't know. Um, okay, so I'm sorry, read 30 again. Read 30 again. Okay, and Esau said to Jacob, give me some of that red stuff to gulp down, for I am famished. Again, I am tired. I am tired, not no, famished. also says Adom twice. Yes, Adom, Adom, give me some of that red stuff, that red stuff. Absolutely, it's emphasizing. And, and perhaps it's, um, it's the emphasis of desperation. Give me some of that red stuff, that red stuff. And another interesting thing here is that Esau in the Torah comes to be associated or thought of as Edom. That that's his nation. Right? That's, so it's getting some of that red stuff, interesting echo of another name for him. Right? What's going on there? I don't know exactly. Go on. Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. And Esau said, I am at the point of death, so what use is my birthright to me? But okay, Jacob let's stop there. So that's a really big concept. So, so Jacob, the wily, innocent <laughs> brother, uses his brother's desperation, right, for something he wants. For something he wants. So Jacob is the strategic Right? He's, he's named, actually, for the word heel, which means sneaky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? um, so comments, like what's, what, what else is going on here between the two of them? So one's tired and perhaps feels like he's going to die. Or, or is he going to die? He's impetuous. He's childlike. He's impetuous. He's like childlike. He's I need it now, right? There's no long-term gratification, right? There's no sense of long-term gratification. I need it now, which to me feels like the heart of addiction. I want it now. I can't wait five minutes to look at my email because I know that President Obama is writing me right now, and I have to look because he's inviting me to the White House that I want to go. And if I miss it, I mean, what's going to happen? That never happened. I waited four years, eight years, eight years. Yeah, Lord. It was the same thing you said. If the addiction is the compulsion, you can't stop. There's no moment to stop and breathe. You know, and then you talked before about conditional and unconditional love. So if I can't get love, I go for the addiction. Mm. Because it's only if I can stop and connect with the transpersonal that I might stop the addiction. So there's an inherent in it, there's a despair of perhaps what, what one really wants, which is something higher, which might be love. I can't get that, so I need this. Mm -hmm. Yes. Ruben. Uh, I want to ask what Esau here for a moment. For Esau. Yeah. Stand up. Yeah, we need, Esau needs advocates. we we got to advocate for him. Absolutely. So I just want to know yeah. about Esau. 
Tuesday in the edge. In Sudan, I think they're rock climbers. <laughs> or, you know, high extreme, um, people, extreme sports. He's the man down the field, he's hunting. <laughs> so his experience is so in the moment. You know, he's so in the raw, like, my life is now, and I don't know if this would be another moment. And big emotions, right? Big emotions that are hard so I'm to... Not, I'm not sure, but, but I okay. want to think about the emotions. I'm actually thinking about the fact that he's a hunter, uh. and he's completely, he's, he's, he's continually in this, uh, at risk. You know, wild beasts or whatever is happening. Right. So he's an adventure, adventurous, right? So there's something very deeply existentially spiritual about that. That's really interesting. I love that. So for Asaph, life he's he's really connected to the elements, to the to the earth. He's a hunter. Life is now. Life is on the edge. Did I get it now? You got it 100. So so when so. That's the other addiction. I like affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> From outside. What do I need? Uh, you know, what do I need? All the uh, the pomp and ceremony of, of uh, you know my uh, birthright and all that. It's like. You know, forget that. Yeah, I got it. I got it made. I'm living an exciting, high adrenaline okay. in the moment, okay. connected right. to the life. Okay. All right. Yes. Uh, another advocacy for ASAP. Yes. Yeah, stand up. The, I think everyone can hear you. The midrash I heard. Yes. A long time ago was that. The midrash generally hates ASAP. That Abraham yeah. passed away, yeah. and what Yaakov yes. was doing was they were mourning, so they had lentils which are round, and they were mourning the death of Abraham. Yes. And Esau was really supposed to be, there were supposed to be four of those, four fathers uh. and four mothers. And Esau was supposed to marry Leah in the grand scheme. Hmm. But Abraham passes away, and Esau is so blown away by the death of Abraham, because he looked at Abraham like an angel, that he would live forever, that he threw his birthright away, this is worthless to me. If uh, if Abraham could leave this world, I don't want any part of Judaism. Wow. <laughs> wow. And actually, Aviva Zornberg, in her book on Genesis, I think it's called Reflections of Desire. Genesis. Genesis of Desire. Thank you. Talks about that. Sometimes she quotes this mid, cites this midrash, and talks about sometimes we focus on the moment <coughs> and we throw away like the eternal stuff. Because that's born of grief, right? So the grief, like, what do I need all this, right? My father, sorry, my grandfather is dead. He, he was everything to me. Who cares about my birthright, right? It's not going to mean anything without my grandfather. So I love that. So I want to hear everybody else, but I'm having a bit of a time problem with father. <laughs> Go on. Okay, okay, great. Okay, okay, and I'm gonna, um, if you've spoken already, I'm gonna urge you to just put your hands down now so I can see if people who haven't spoken would like to speak. Yeah. Um, I'm struck by the connection between Adom and Adam. Yes, nice. And, uh, so just translate your terms. So Adam is, we're, we're told that there, this redness yeah. is associated with a tribe called Adom. 
Um, so he's red, the, 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 the food is red, the tribe is named red, but the name Adam, which is the same word root, is associated with the first human and with all yeah. humanity. Yeah, so perhaps in some sense, he's the reincarnation of the primordial human being. Or, or the human experience. Or the human experience. Beautiful. I love that. That's really beautiful. And it also brings me to the notion that Esau and Yaakov are really two halves of each of us, right? That of the human experience. We fight with the impulsive, with the id, and we want to reach for something higher, and the chocolate beckons, or the or something worse, and something more destructive. We're living in an age of, of an opioid crisis, right? So, you know, what is it that beckons when we're reaching for something higher? All right, so and I want to I want to read a couple more verses. So I'm going to take your comments. Two more, uh, three more people have their hands up, but please be brief. Get okay. So I'm thinking of Eckhart Tolle, and the, I'm thinking of Eckhart Tolle and the power of now, and also. So Eckhart Tolle, tell everybody who it, who who that is. He's a self help person who says it's so important to be present to what's happening, and not be in the future, and not in the past, but uh -huh. be here uh -huh. right now. Uh -huh. And I'm also thinking about nature, and how we sort of discarded it, and it's almost part of our religion, of Jewish root, to discard it, and that we really ought to be paying attention to it, and, and look at what's happening with the climate. Mm. So I'm really finding um, Ah, you're, you're with Esau. You're with Esau. Good. Good, good, good. Okay, Lauren. Okay, Rabbi go. Jill and Yonatan, and we go, we read a couple more verses and kind of bring it together. Okay. Okay. I want to go back to like, the notion of addiction because I'm not sure that's what's going on here. I see it through a physiological lens. Esau has been outside hunting in the fields, and what he's experiencing it's a blood sugar crash. He's hungry. He's hungry. Look, I mean, this is a man who hunts. He wants his meat. He's a This is from someone who's just become a nutritionist. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. No, I mean, he, he's looking at addiction. He's saying, I want that red meat now. He's going for the lentils. Wow. Nice. So, okay. Look, I mean, you know, <laughs> that's normalize it, but that's, that, is, that is a... I, I love it. So we're playing all, all kinds of lens, and we've got to watch out for our sugar crashes, especially when something like a birthright is at stake. Right, <laughs> <laughs> Jill. Two very quick things. First, that uh, that um, Esau is. Um, we can read Hineochicholetamut. Uh, I'm going to die. Not as right now, but I've not, I've just realized that I'm mortal. And if I'm mortal, what good is this metaphysical stuff? Right? That's one way to read something. The other thing I want to say is that we're thinking of Yaakov as a wise one here, right? He was strategic, right? He got the birthright. He lost everything. He lost his parents. He never saw his mother again. Like, but, but when he, the choice that he makes does get him the birthright, but he loses a lot of what's valuable about his present. And there's this measure for measure because he, he suffers mightily when he wants to marry the younger child that the older child is given to him. Right? So it's it's midah from connected midah, measure for measure, for the rest of his life. He struck he, he
he is um, suffering because of this dynamic that's going to unfold with his father and mother. But I want to pick up on your first point for a second. So it's such a profound question to go back to the human experience. You know, we're we're like a passing. You know, the the um, the liturgy in. Um, God, why am I not remembering this again? What? The, the liturgy when we um, say uh, Yisker, thank you, is Yisker is um, cite something I think from Lamentations that we're like a passing dream, we're like a fleeting dream. It's in the Tana Toga. Okay, thank you. We're like a fleeting dream. So what is important in the face of that? Like we're going to die, right? Everything keeps moving. Nothing lasts. The love of your life, you may have them for a year, you may have them for 20 years. We don't know. Right? Nothing, nothing is permanent. So what what can we raise up in the face of that? And I understand really deeply wanting to go to the pleasure of the moment as opposed to dealing with how fleeting everything is, how temporal everything is. Okay. Jonathan? Oh, there's a there's a oh yeah, I'm sorry, you haven't said something. Do you mind standing up? Thank you. This way everybody can hear better. because in the state of Israel, in response to the horrors of the Holocaust, there was this rejection of the weak intellectual man and a resurrection of the Adam, right? Of the sort of the, the man of the body. That's really, you know, almost as a um, kind of reaction formation and a, and a defense. But we don't want to be that person anymore. It's weak, right? And, and People also felt like Yiddish was weak and all kinds of things associated with that past was weak. So it's so important to claim Yaakov's culture. Yeah, love that. Thank you. I wanted to get back to the human experience. In Genesis uh, 3, line 15, it talks about this heel, the Sakib of Yaakov, uh, regarding the sperm regarding the connection between a man and a female. And it says, Meaning that already you shall strike at their, um, they shall strike at your head, and you shall strike at their heel. So this is the punishment of the snake, the snake. in, in um, Genesis 2, right? 3. three. Genesis 3, uh, line 15. And I think the human experience of uh, having you know, sons or having children, also the sense of sin there regarding Yaakov and Esav is something that sort of connects to the general human experience of how siblings have some sort of, uh, of, of challenge or anguish or 
or uh, or uh, how they're they're fighting to be at each other's head versus heel. So each other like to, to seem as if like they're 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 um, they're leading versus they're uh, they're behind. Right, and this, there's so that? much here about how we identify ourselves against somebody else, yeah. right? In reaction to somebody else, yeah. right? You take. You take the ego, I'll take the id. You take the super ego, I'll be the failure. Whatever it is, right, in all families. Unfortunately, I do have to kind of wrap things up, so I'm going to read the last couple of verses and call people up, even though I'd love to continue this conversation. Um, 33, but Jacob said, swear to me first. So... Yeah, he's a serious businessman, this one. <laughs> so he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Jacob then gave Esau bread and lentil stew. He ate and drank, and he rose and went away. Thus did Esau spurn the birthright. So whatever side you're on, whether you're on Esau's side or Yaakov's side, Esau sold away his future. Perhaps for very powerful reasons, and perhaps for reasons beyond his control. So I want to call up people for this Eliyah who want to find the balance in that power of now and living in such a way now that actually gives you a future. Right? That kind of, you've got the twin gifts. And I think part of the answer might be in some kind of moderation. Right? Like, enjoying life fully and deeply and blessing it and knowing that if you have a hundred brownies at 11 o'clock at night you're not gonna have much of a day the next day <laughs> right so how can we live and maybe the word is sustainably so for those who struggle with living sustainably and want the gift again the twin gifts of the moment and the birthright and the promise of the future, I invite you up for this Aliyah.